spectacular. Shafee. Shafee, are you there? You boys like Mexico! Yeah! Hey, hey, hey. You know what those smooth sounds mean? Don't you? Do you? You know what they mean? Yeah, you do. They mean it's time for another episode of One Magical Hour. I'm Matthew and Schaefer, Podcast Spectacular. There are currently zero birds on Bill the Landlord's bird feeder because it's nighttime, Saturday night, in fact. Time to get loose. Time to welcome a guest to the show who we'll let, we'll let, we'll let this guy, we'll let this guy introduce him. You know him, you love him. He's, he's, maybe he's the, the king of podcasting. He's the best podcaster of all time. <laughs> He's also a comedian and a former children's folk singer. His name's Matthew Rampy. He's right here. I've seen Alex play with flames in a lake of fire that I was standing in. I'd like to welcome tonight uh, our inspiration, one of our uh, co-producer emeritus. Emeritus? Mr. Alex Battles. Hello. Alex Hello. joining us. Hello, one magical podcast. nation. Now, now, for any regular guest, we would do our intro, just me and Shafee, and then we would cut away to the interview. But Al- Alex is on like a featured player tonight. So he, yeah. is, he is right in the mix. I'm ready to go. One of us. He's certainly our first interviewee who's like, uh, uh, hold on a second, guys. Let me get my notes. <laughs> I brought some content. So. I got my content. I'm ready to go. I have you know been. Our listeners know that voice, that lovely voice from our from our theme song. They've been listening to him quite quite a bit. Alex, I love that theme song. I can't remember. If I told you this or not. I've told everybody. <laughs> but, uh, what it reminds me of. Do you remember that MTV show Daria? Uh, yeah, 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 I remember, Darius. you remember the theme song? Like, like, had, like, some rock, you're, rock you're, and roll guitars was like, la, 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 la. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's entirely different from that, but it has the same feeling as that, which I think is awesome because... I think um, you're the only Daria super fan here. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I think it's cool. I remember, you know, that show caught very much some specific feelings in a specific time that was when you know it was still cool to not care about anything or at least pretend like you didn't care about anything oh like my rant about the election (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah cynicism yeah daria yeah yeah daria whatever but you know but the the whole you know and kind of like the charm of that show and you know what all of us knew the whole time is that we all did care about things very much and uh that's and just i don't know to kind of have some of that aesthetic captured in 
the theme song to my show is pretty cool. <laughs> I'm really happy about it. What I'm baffled by is that Alex captured the spirit of the show so perfectly first time out and so quickly, like I'm pretty sure he'd listen to like one or two episodes and he was like, Oh, I see what's going on here. And he used that line unfolding organically. Is, is that in the one minute version? That's unfolding. no unfolding organically is that's in like the second that's, verse or the third that, verse. That's the second verse. Yeah. The, the, the long version, like when I did like the first take of it, like I have not listened to many podcasts before your podcast. Like I did a cup of coffee with a couple, you know, and the one <laughs> The one thing I noticed was that I noticed that whenever the commercials come on to a podcast, it's just like, ah, gee, like it's very hard for it to work in. So I, I, I made this long version of your theme song, which is like six minutes, because I imagined you having so many sponsors that you could just talk over those lulls in the, But so that's why the un, but unfolding organically, I think you guys say that in the first episode. Schaefer says unfolding organically is my middle name, but that's, I wanted, I wanted that to be in the final version, but it just happened. I did, I didn't say it, but I said exactly the, the name of the show, which was, you know, was fair restraint. I feel. So do you think that there are some, are there some listeners out there shivering in abject terror at the idea of a long version? <laughs> um, it, it's like that. The intro is already half of their show. <laughs> it's uh, it's you know, it's credits are credits are always you know, the joy of com you know, comedy demands framework. You know? I yeah, I and, definitely no, I love the fact that you have two theme songs. You have two theme songs. It's very important. It's very good. And and an opening shtick and an opening drop and an introductory. Absolutely. This, you know, show, this show is about this show. A, but we, it's, we have a theme song and an opening score. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. the idea. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that, Alex. The show is about the show. <laughs> this, this show, you guys keep going, what is this show about? I'm like, your show is about your show. I don't, I, like, I don't understand that you guys not, have not figured that, that out yet. Like, it's well, just, I like, mean, I, I thought that that was the, <laughs> the show is that's about like the show. implied thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but with but then we keep referring to it. So yeah. well, like, well, no, it's it's it just be. that you guys don't realize what you're doing yet. Like other people realize it before you. We're turning the liminal into the subliminal and back again. Right. Exactly. It's like you have you already have segments, but you guys are like, are these segments? And like, if you listen, you're like, yeah, that's a segment. Like, obviously, get at us is a segment that we haven't discussed adding yet. You know, but. But get at us it needs to be like there needs to be a, a do you have the robot going tonight mr rampy i i you know what i didn't set it up man oh you're kidding me i I'm thought so disappointed. I, can, I, can, I can set it up right now you guys vamp and i'll set up the robot Speaking uh, of segments how about new segment glory days with uncle rico oh yes <laughs> we look back at our glory days because i, I <laughs> I say this, listeners, because I have a very specific glory day uh, with Alex and I that we just we just passed the ninth anniversary of. Uh, oh, really? And, uh, wait, I know Alex, Alex hasn't heard the last episode. Oh, well, 
You still laughed. <laughs> I left. I left because I know what you're referring to, but I didn't hear you go over it. Oh, we yeah. we we uh yeah we dissected it in the last episode. Are you yeah. and then. Yeah. And then we went out with Springsteen's Glory Days. <laughs> we spoke about uh, Choo Choo Express for quite some time last episode. And, uh, it was hilarious. The reason, uh, the reason that I know that it was nine years is because Facebook told me uh, it showed a picture that I take a picture of Alex and I giving each other the high five and a high five, and it said nine years ago tonight. And the reason that Alex and I were giving each other a high five was because we got that guy to the hospital. We, we did get that guy to a hospital. After repeatedly saying to ourselves, we got to get this guy to the hospital. Because Alex had been playing a show at like Mission Dolores or something like that. No, it was at Hank's actually. Hank's, huh? Yeah. And, this was, uh, it was part of Schaefer Fest. It was, it, this was part of your month long. Remember, you're like, what should I do for a goodbye party? And I said, well, look, Schaefer, you're too popular to get everybody to one thing. So why don't you rent out a month of Hanks? So that's what you did. You, t- you took four Sunday nights at Hanks and had all of your friends play different nights yeah, at Hanks. You got me those four Sundays. And yeah. Was- so I think it was the first of those four Sundays that we got that guy to the hospital. Uh, but we had to, we were loading his stuff into the back of his truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had gone around to the to the driver's side, and I was like kind of shutting the gate, I guess. When this dude comes up, this older, older uh, Latin American gentleman comes up uh, out of the darkness, and like he really kind of just appeared right behind me, startled yeah. me a little bit, and he was holding his stomach. And he was just—he just looked at me and he said, "I have to go to the hospital." And I was like, "Uh, right." And I, and I was still holding the the tail near the like the glass, not the not the gate, but you know the glass that flips up on the back of your truck. I was still holding that, and I was like, "All right, well, get in." Mm-hmm. And he like he like you didn't have to ask him twice. He no. Like, he jumped right he back dove there. into the back of the pickup truck, and then we <laughs> we closed the, both the tailgate and the cap lid on him, so he was enclosed in an S10. Yes, and bed, really, with with instruments out. and whatever various and sundry back there. Oh, we're driving Alex's truck. You mm-hmm. know, we didn't we didn't do it unsafely, but I think we no. felt the hurry just a little bit. <laughs> It was really only, it was three, no, it was two left turns, but it literally felt like it took us 25 minutes to drive. What was, I'm not kidding you. It was literally, if it was 11 blocks, it was, you know, it was a day. It was like, it felt, it felt so long. And we pulled up next to the hospital. And I got out to, to let him out. Right. So, like started to walk back, but he like he he dove out the back. It was like, without, you know, like yeah, it was like a silent movie. Man. He was out, he was spraying and out of there. Just ran full speed through the Undercrack, front. Of the definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, we got we got him to the hospital. Right. We got that guy to the hospital. So he got in there. And he just went in, and we were like, "I guess that's it." 
And then Schaefer started saying, we got that guy to the hospital. Do you know what this means? And I was like, no. <laughs> and Schaefer says, it means we have to go get tattoos. <laughs> and I said, I said, I said, this is terrible. I don't, I don't have any tattoos. I was like, I don't think I can argue with him. You know, like this, <laughs> this seems to be some sort of sailor thing. Like he, maybe he's right in this case, you know, like I feel like, so I'm like racking my brain at the time. I, I, you know, I had a couple of tattoo ideas, but you know, always hovering around in case this day happened, but I still wasn't really sure, you know? And I had a couple of scares where I really thought I was gonna get a tattoo and then I realized it was just, I saw somebody else's tattoo and then I thought it was really original, but it was just somebody else. Are you gonna tell them our tattoo idea? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you describe this better than I do. But I, I have a little sister named Grace. Right. And a beloved, beloved little sister named Grace. And Alex has a beloved cat named Grace. That's true, yes. So my idea was for me to get my Grace, <laughs> the person's head on Grace the cat's body tattooed on me. And then Alex gets Grace the person's body with Grace the cat's head tattooed yeah. on him. That would work fine okay for me. I think that would be genius. The other, I'm glad you said it that way because I would have said it wrong. You always know the, the way that it actually is not. The right way. Yeah. And, the, and the way you're talking about it, it seems like it only stayed in the concept phase. <laughs> uh, you know, until, it's, until it's not in the concept phase anymore. <laughs> One of these days we will... But wait, but y'all didn't get tattoos. We didn't get those tattoos. No, Schaefer was on the phone to a place, you know, because at the time he still worked in the village and he was like, Johnny's working till 11. You know, he had, <laughs> he had like a guy. And like We were going to make another right turn. And I was like, <laughs> but like, for like the, the one thing that's probably saved us is just my, my, you know, because when we stopped and got the guy who wanted to go to the hospital, we were going into uh, the, uh, uh, you know, a family grocery store to, to buy. I remember specifically we got, to, at the time I was very into taquitos, you know, those little like corn chip things that have <laughs> way too much, you know, it's seasoning. They're very Tacos. delicious. Tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Ta Fuego Takis, right? <laughs> Those things are so hot. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I would never do that again. But but at the time that like I the idea of going home and eating some Fuego Takis was enough. So Yeah. Well you guys have had some epic times together, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We did. We got those hats. We got those hats. We got that guy of the hospital. Yeah, we got that guy. We did so many things. We did so many things. Literal glory days. We saw Bruce Springsteen in one of the last shows at Giant Stadium. Bring on your wrecking ball. Bring it on your <laughs> and we had we had already brought the wrecking ball into ourselves. Oh wow, we sure did. We brought the wrecking ball that day. By drinking tequila at the Sixth Avenue Olive Garden. We went to that's gone now. You oh, are, oh. You, I know you were one of two people I got to take to the greatest bar of all time. <laughs> it is now gone. I, I I would try to go back there once more and I was like, this is uh it's not here. 
the Sixth Avenue Olive Garden has to. Matthew, the the Sixth Avenue Olive Garden was actually pretty nice. Like, oh, like it was a comfortable. Wait, wait, wait. Do you mean the Olive Garden? Right. Yeah. The okay. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, obviously, nobody goes to the Olive Garden in Manhattan. Right. Because there's about eight you know, eight thousand <laughs> other better Italian restaurants to go to. Yeah. So we would go in there, and this place, you it know, it was like walking into Wisconsin. It was so weird. And it was it was just empty and comfortable, and the bartender was attentive. Right. You know? And meanwhile, you know, this is this is Sixth Avenue in Chelsea. Like, you know, you're not going to find a place where you can get good service, you know, within a one mile radius. No. So, you know, so you could just sit there comfortably and like beers were cold, lines were clean, wine was flowing. <laughs> paper, drink. Yeah. Have a little espresso if you need it. Perk yourself up. They would keep so, running your tab for you. you know, let me, ask, it let me ask you this. What what sort of tequilas did they have on that menu? <laughs> Cuervo? Yeah. Yeah, the, the Cuervo, yeah. Uh, I think they had Pornitos, probably. I think uh, they had something uh, worthwhile, yeah. I pretty much only drank cornitos back in back in that uh, in that period of time. So I'm drinking cornitos sure. right now. I love that tequila. That's yeah. a great tequila. It is, so, it is so good. All right, Choo Choo Express, you happy? We look, we live some glory days. <laughs> we might we might do it again before this episode is over. I can lie here. I feel like our discussion about Choo Choo really helped me just let that go completely. <laughs> <laughs> It was cathartic as hell. No doubt. Oh, yes. Oh, it's not the show without the, the robot. There it is. I love the robot. Alex, you want to read from the show? I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're saying that, man, because I almost was thinking... No, I'm gonna retire the robot. robot. It was no. like a thing. It was cute, no. but I'm using no. a different beat for each show. And like, it is so. It's just. It is. It is just right. It is just. Don't doubt the robot. That's all I gotta say. I don't want to say too much. I'm glad you said that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I want to say this for the record, in front of the hunter gatherers. <laughs> thank you, Alex, for your work on the theme song for your support. Oh, man for your, uh, yeah, for just for your general support of the show, for coming on tonight and talking to us. Thank Absolutely. I'm actually meeting Alex for the first time. Schaefer and Alex are old buds. And I have talked to Alex maybe kind of through Schaefer's phone when he had it on speakerphone, but we've never actually met. And then uh, I opened up, we're on a video chat. Um, <laughs> shocker, pandemic. and. Uh, Alex and I arrived here in the video chat room early together, and so we had about twenty. Well, Schaefer's life fell apart. <laughs> Alex and I had like a twenty-minute date before Schaefer made it here. <laughs> and you, you want to tell him what happened? I had a disaster with with green tea and electric kettle. I, you know, yeah. I I asked you, have you ever? Had any experience with a electric kettle that doesn't shut itself off? Yeah, that's absurd. effective. I've used a lot of electric kettles, you know, behind various bars, you know, over the right. years, and they always this one, like so, uh, like my old school hot pot that like I took to college in 1990. Yeah, it was just like solid 
like iron, you know? Like, this I feel was like one of those hunter gatherers. This was a two quart, humongous, brand new, super nice, little blue light glass hot pot. So I, I filled it all. I wanted to make some tea enough to kind of get me through this whole night. And so I filled it all the way up. I threw six tea bags in there and I came in here to work on the quiz for the show. Six tea bags? Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch yeah, of Okay, yeah, we gotta talk, Shafe. That's just that's all lot, wrong. Man. That's all wrong. That's all wrong. There's a bunch of there's small tea bags. They're meant for one cup. First okay. of all, I'm gonna t I wanna give you a pro tip here. If if uh, may I interject just for a second. Just really quick, I just want to say this. Um, you shouldn't put the tea bags. You're only supposed to put tea bags in at like one ninety. You're now. I knew this about black tea because otherwise it'll make it bitter. But I thought right. the green tea was different. Green tea is actually a lower temperature, I think. Oh man, I've been doing it all wrong. Yeah, no, I think green tea is even wanna, lower. You, but you, but you don't want to put it in there to boil with the. You want to put the boiling water onto the tea bag. Obviously. Or, or right with green tea, it's less than boiling water. Obviously, we want different things. Yeah, right. You're right. I wanted, I wanted to make a quiz and have the tea done when I was done making the quiz. Right, right, right. It's I'm all, sorry. You're right. No, what I said, I knew what I said was not going to be meaningful, and I was correct. Wow. Why did you let me interrupt? Nobody should ever let me interrupt. No, you, Alex, you're a, you're a friend for interrupting there. Uh, if, I had, if I had done it your way, I would not have... It's a fair I, call. I would not have a centimeter's worth of... of of bio, bio, bio chemically changed green tea ceramic at the bottom of the brand new electric kettle. So, ouch! I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry that happened, Shafi. Sorry, but it gave you guys. Hey, happy ending! It gave you guys a chance to hang out and talk. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And y'all so, had fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'd do it again. It was much better than cats. I'd see it again and again. I don't know. There's some people seeing cats again and again. <laughs> right there. I'm wondering if I need to see cats. Alex said uh, that he sometimes listens to us. He does a cup of coffee and listens to it, and it was like coffee talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let's start the show now. Uh, um, here we go. <laughs> let's start the interview. Alex, wait, wait were, were you going somewhere with that? Can we start the interview here? What does the uh, what does the show sheet say? You want me to read from the show sheet? I'm I'm going off the show sheet. I'm going oh. the show sheet. Oh, well, I don't know. You could you can do the show sheet, but maybe we have some items on the show sheet before we get to the interview. I did want to give a shout out to Noah in Michigan, who might actually be in Ohio. Anyway, uh, Noah Fowl, old friend of ours, uh, I was texting with him uh, the other night, and he said he's really been enjoying the show. He's excited about the Alex interview. Uh, he, was, <laughs> he was part of the gang. So, uh, so hello, Hunter hello, Hunter Gatherer Noah. You are seen. We love you. We love each, each and every one of you. I know. Uh, and try, we need some... Uh, Help us out with some uh, counter reviews to uh, Choo Choo Express on the 
on uh, Apple Podcast. Give us some bad reviews, anybody. Or the new the new section Alex has proposed. Get at us. Get at us. It's yeah. going to be the next new section of the show. It'll be so you're going to have the, the word shop. You're going to be like word shop. You're going to be like news cruise. You're going to be like avocados, and then you're going to be like get at us, and then you're going to have four segments now. No, no, and, no. Wait, wait. There's more. Yeah. There's more. I was I was actually listing these out today. There's there's word shop. There's news cruise. Right. There's there's get there's get at us. Sure. There's um, uh, there's creative endeavors. There's okay. poetry corner. Poetry corner, yes, yeah, I love and, that. And and, and then I, I and this was one of my original ideas for the program, that, and we have kind of gotten away from it. But uh, poor choices. Poor choices. Of Tales of poorer choices. Mm-hmm. And I I, I want to get into the pattern of having our guests tell their, their own tale of making a poor choice. In oh, well, I've got, like, I've, I've like got for, such an easy one there. Like, for instance, what is that Montserrat mistake? And if you haven't heard episode 34, that was a reference to episode 34. See, are, I know. I did so much homework. And then the one, like, <laughs> I got three. I've got literally 11% of episodes covered. And we posted it, like, yesterday. We are not expected to hear 9/11. bleeding edge content. And 11th. What is the Montserrat mistake? And um, do you know that reference, Alex? Negative. That's from Coco, uh, the song Kokomo. The, uh, the, in the song Kokomo, this low voice goes, I want to make that Montserrat mistake. Let me say That's this, Beautiful. Jake. That was always a totally misheard lyric in my life. <laughs> I, I didn't know what they were saying. I, I thought he was saying something about mystique. I thought he was saying something about that mountaintop mystique. And and you 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 really <laughs> cleared that up for me. And it's got my mind aflame of what was that? Hey, what? for me, it was like. And now to be, I should one hundred percent. To be one hundred percent clear and frank with you guys, I've never actually looked up the lyrics. It could be that. You know, I, I got a 18-year-old Schaefer. <laughs> I thought you knew. Made some connections in his head that, that uh, were not the correct connections. That'd be the first time that ever happened, obviously. Uh, we all have those. But I'm 100% with you. Oh, I, okay. Schaefer, Schaefer, I've got it here. It's, it's a combination of our two lyrics. It's, it says... Martinique, that Montserrat mystique. Oh, that is so. Uh, we shouldn't have looked it up. I'm I'm so glad that we did. Oh, that's so disappointing to me. We're gonna keep it. Uh, we're gonna go with your misheard lyric. We're rebuilding the language. <laughs> we're restructuring the lexicon here with our six to seven segments. Okay, now we know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to just pull the shroud off of the truth. Uh, Alex, the fact, the fact that's great is that you misheard the earlier part worse than you misheard the second part, <laughs> which means that you got Montserrat mistake, and then you just want I want to make that Montserrat mistake, and you just glazed right over Martinique. Like Martinique never had a chance as you, as soon as you had mistaken. As soon as I knew there was a Montserrat mistake, I wanted to make it. That's absolutely. <laughs> I think to be fair to the way it's recorded, 
Martinique does sound like, <laughs> more like I want to make. Can you do that? Martinique. It's, I don't know. It's like barefoot on the grass. We're going to go out with Kokomo soon. And it's like the- that little band was called The Art of Living. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to make one more correction from episode 34. I was calling it the Guggenberg Bible, which I had done a portmanteau of Gutenberg and Guggenheim. <laughs> which, uh, which reminds me that I need to call myself a dummy on the show more often. <laughs> which reminds me that we need more red fox drops on the show. It's true. What reminded you of red fox just then? Yeah, big dummy. Oh. Right. Nice. So, are we ready to start the show? I'm getting, getting there. I'm getting warmed up. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm over my... Uh, I wanted to clarify one more thing. My electric kettle malaise. Sometimes you hear a woman's voice in the background of the show. <laughs> and it's not a lady talking out in your front yard. Edmund's iPhone. <laughs> It's it's Schaefer's Bluetooth speaker. Okay, we got that cleared. I'd like to welcome our guest tonight, Mr. Alex Battles. And I want to clarify this. Schaefer was calling you... No, how to get mad when I call you a dummy. Schaefer was calling you Sir Alex Battles. And I, I just want to clarify, you are not BCE, right? You are not... I, I'm, not M, I'm not MBE, I'm not BCE. Okay, okay. That's CBE. CBE. I think it's CBE. You are OMN. Oh yeah, I am OMN. I am. I am almost. Well, you know. Yeah, I'm OMN. That's all. That's all I need. I don't need any more credit than that. You're OMN H and G. H G. That's true. Uh, the original group. Do, the, do people know what? Does anybody know what any of that means? One magical nation, hunter and gather. <laughs> you guys were doing my inside joke and i was (laughs) and i had no idea what was going on there for a minute okay sir alex battles uh you know that's that i that is not something i commonly call him that's something that probably just happened off the top of my head and since it is his introduction uh this is as good a time as any alex battles is is a mentor and an inspiration and a best friend and a therapist and all of is so many different things to me at the same time <laughs> that uh you know they i you know i can't use enough terms of respect in front of him to really really capture how important this guy is in my life and if you know me then you know as you've heard me talk about alex battles a lot um, <laughs> I, for a while, I thought it was like a Tourette's thing. It was, yeah. <laughs> he, he would go, he, Alex Battles. <laughs> yeah, def, definitely Alex Battles. <laughs> it's um, true. And, you know, definitely like, you know, when I left New York City, there was not, you know, one thing about it that I miss more than him. And um, we, uh, you know, in addition to, it's like, like imagine this imagine you're you're a young actor or something and you move out to LA and you know after you know about 
about two years of you know messing around you're doing all right out there maybe you're getting some acting gigs uh but but you, but you haven't really like you know you haven't done any you haven't done much and then all of a sudden you meet brad pitt and he becomes your best friend and you do a lot of stuff with brad pitt and <laughs> that's that's like how it worked for me you know and they make all an sudden, HBO like, show based on it all of a sudden like i was able to you know get on stages in brooklyn you know kind of at will and do whatever i wanted whether it be poetry or singing or songwriting or whatever and uh yeah uh, all of a sudden, you know, this this guy who made music that I kind of idolized was also just a good friend. So it was, it was about as cool a situation as can be. Um, and that's, uh, and then when I, you know, and then when I needed anything, theme song, you know, a song about that time Bandera burned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever alex was alex was there for me um so it's great to have him we're gonna have a lot of fun talking to him today and he has a show sheet of his own which i can't wait to take a look at <laughs> it's handwritten it's all right i hope that i showed him the proper deference uh in our date before the thing based on all that you didn't say it was your sensei and your guru and your mentor. Well, I know. I see. You just you you didn't talk to Schaefer before he got my check in the mail. It's just uh... <laughs> a grand eye. Schaefer got some gift cards that I sent his way earlier. It's just... Gift cards, baby. Online bonus. Like the Williamson County Sheriff's Department. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely appropriate use of force. Um. So I I want a minute here to um, to quiz Alex on some basics, so sure. that so that we establish a baseline for the hunter gatherers. Okay, all and right, we can, I, we can do it. At that point, I think that uh, I'll be too drunk, and I'll have to just uh, I'll just I'll just be in the background for the rest of the show. Sure. For an Alex thing. All right. Well, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. Okay. I am admittedly a person who has tried to separate myself from my Western heritage of, of hot country and shit kicker bullshit. Right. And I pushed country music off at arm's length at a young age, which mm -hmm. I've detailed on this show before. Right. And, and part the whole Brooklyn hootenanny scene to this day kind of blows my mind. Although right. I, Although I, I, too, see, us too. <laughs> I see now, I see now with the reverence for folk music and country music that it's real. Uh, you know, I, I, I've admitted that through Schaefer, I've gained an appreciation for picking and grinning and um, the country cowboy song style, song lifestyle. Um, but I just want to know. I was talking to Alex before the before the recording and. I asked him where he was f originally from, and he said uh, uh, Cleveland, out, or out, uh, a suburb of Cleveland, just yeah, outside basically. of the suburb of Cleveland. Yeah, 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 basically, and then, yeah. And then you said, and where did you go to school? In Maryland, in okay. Annapolis, yeah. Okay. See, that all sounds very Yankee to me. And right, yeah, so, absolutely. But at, some, but at some point, you... Um, 
gained an appreciation for country music. It's so much so that you pursued it. Or, or how did you, how did you come to music? It's, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's, it's circuitous for me. Um, it's because... Well, good thing we've got this long-form podcast. Well, I, I don't know if you have enough time, but I'll try. Uh, you know, I started, how did I come to music? I started, you know, getting, getting records out of the library. Like, you go to the library. And we had, I don't know, a collection of, you know, whatever, 20, 40 LPs, let's say, um, that my folks liked. And, you know, you just, you start there, you know, and then we had like an old piano and then some like friend of the families um, wanted to get, was moving out of an apartment, wanted to get rid of like a better piano. And so we got that one. And at the time I was taking lessons. Um, so, you know, like, because I was just always by the record player, I was just always into what was on the record player. So I took a little lessons, but like the whole I could never really grasp that like what what I was trying to learn on the piano, how that turned into what I was listening to on the records. I couldn't really make the connection. So um, I eventually got a different piano teacher who was more just like, all right, well, what do you want to try? You know, and you, you know, I remember the first thing I was like, can I learn, you know, that Miami Vice theme, Axel F, you know, I was like, can I learn that? And she's like, yes. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, like my last place, it would have just been like, no, do exercises for 12 years. It was very much paint the fence. You know, she was just like, no, just fight. Who cares? Drunken monkey style. We'll figure it out. <laughs> so, so, so that was, that was kind of, you know, so then I was just kind of like kind of hanging on to this sort of like piano thing. And I would meet people who were good, better at the piano than me. And, you know, people who could find a play a boogie woogie or something to be like, how do you do that? And then they would kind of like disappear in the, the mist of my life. Like, you know, just strange characters in a Bogart movie who just like walked out the door. And, and so like, then one day, like I found this, this banjo that had been my grandfather's and, um, you know, it was, a t it's a tenor banjo and we just had had it downstairs my whole life. And I would just pick it up. Like it was this, what do you do with this thing? And, um, so one day I, I, what ha would happen was I came home and Tennessee Ernie Ford was on the I Love Lucy show. And it was like lunchtime. We were like taking a break from, you know, working out in the, in the now, yard. Alex, are you in your eighties? Are you 82? <laughs> that was like, that was what was on at the, you know, in the early nineties, like the okay, summer okay. reruns on the local. <laughs> UHF channel like I think you know it was maybe still UHF you know like it was like it was definitely on the kitchen TV that is dazzling <laughs> it was on I, the I kitchen guess, TV and like kidding. every 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 you know whatever you know lunchtime you would turn it on and it was like it was like a Lucy and an Andy Griffith you know and so there was a Lucy and um uh Tennessee Ernie Ford was this guest he, he was on i think two episodes i looked it up late or later but i keep it's been a while he was on two episodes as cousin ernie and he you know he would come into town to make his way in hollywood or something um and he was just sitting on a couch and he would sing wabash cannonball anytime anybody walked in and i just like the way that tennessee ernie voice ford's voice just rang out you know like 
I, I was like, wow, that just, it just made you want to sing along. It just made, it just pulled something in me. And I was like, where's that banjo? So I ran downstairs and I got the banjo and I opened it up and I said, what does this do? And everybody just looked at me, you know, like, and I said, maybe the music store will know. And I took it to the music store and I said, we know. And they still had, they had a book, Fun with the Tenor Banjo. And, <laughs> and I, and, you know, and then like, I, they didn't even have electronic tuners yet. They had, um, they had like pitch pipes, but I had harmonica. So I would used to, you always tune to a harmonica. And so my first, I don't know, six months were, were just like trying to do, um, the tenor banjo chords, which are more like jazz chords, which if you're just starting are pretty, they're pretty tricky, especially because the action of a tenor banjo, steel strings and all that stuff, like the action on this one is really high, it's really loud and like you're in. So anyway, uh, then another friend of mine said, look, if you tune it like this, um, it's gonna be, you know, this is a G and this is a C and this is a D. He's like, you know, and now you know how to play pretty much every Hank Williams song. And I was like, really? And then he just kind of showed me, you know, whatever, um, you know, kind of how to read tablature and stuff. And I just took it from there. So, you know, my, I had at the time, like a, a bunch of Hank Williams music. And so I could kind of sit and play Hank Williams. And, you know, growing up, I listened to whatever, whatever like was on the oldie station or was on the pop station. And like, I like Billy Joel a lot. I went to, you know, you know, my first concerts were like, you know, Hall and Oates and Billy Joel and stuff like that. But, you know, those were harder songs to play. Whereas this stuff, if you had this four string banjo, you know, kind of a, you know, I could just, you know, the Hank stuff or the Johnny Cash stuff that I had that I'd kind of grown up with a little, you know, but I didn't like grow up in a real like country house. And like, if you listen to him, like Johnny Cash is really, he's really like a folk singer and that's one of the reasons him and Dylan got along so well is that they all, they both really knew like so many just really old folk songs and all the sing-alongs and hymns and all. they had a lot of, you know, similar repertoire really. And like Johnny Cash doesn't sound like a country artist. They just kind yeah. of filed him there because there was nowhere else to put him. When so I, I, can't, I had that and whatever. So anyway, go on. Sorry. When I talk about the country and Western music that I don't want in my life, it's not, I'm not talking about Johnny Cash. Yeah. Yeah. So that I'm was what talking about Alan Jackson, but right. you know, the, I know also that that's not the music y'all are playing at the Brooklyn Hootenannies either. But yeah. So, yeah, so what was the thing is, so like taking that sort of experience to New York, uh, you know, and New York obviously had this like, very village tradition of folk music and bluegrass music that was still going and, and still kind of kicking ass. And then it had like these club scenes, but what was interesting was that it did not have a country music radio station. So actual country artists, whoever was big when I, you know, moved to New York. Al um, Jackson. Well, yeah, Garth was big when I moved here and all this stuff. But these guys, like Garth playing Central Park was a big deal, you know. But um, but in general, like they would skip New York. They would go on a nationwide tour and they wouldn't go to New York because there was no radio station from which to promote your show. Mm -hmm. And that meant death to the concert business in a way. So they would actually skip New York. So what New York was, was at the time, was this like whatever country was, it was only defined by what the, the actual market of New York was interested in. 
in terms of whatever wanted to call itself country. So it was a country in a vacuum. So yeah, so like you, what you just said at the time, you heard a lot of people saying, I like country, classic country, like the stuff like Johnny Cash and stuff, but not the modern stuff. And that's kind of what, it just seemed like there were a lot of people in town who just had that sort of vibe and were kind of enjoying the fact that very few people were expecting us to play um, what was on the radio at the time for country. Like it really didn't, it, it didn't really register with them. So it made it easier for us because we were in this sort of thing where no, you know, very few people were like, play that new blank blank song. Like we would just play Hank Williams, Johnny Cash and whatever ourselves, you know, and that was fine and called it country. Like I, you know, still was never really into what's actual, like I was into Merle and I was into Waylon, you know, but like, I found Ernest Tubb and I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. And I'm never going to learn any of this. You know, it made me wonder how big of a country fan I could actually be, you know, because there's just a vast amount of material out there. But yeah, that's what people were into at the time that I met Schaefer, which was in 2005. Well, th that opened my mind a lot <laughs> going to New York and realized I was, I had actually gone there with, with my wife who had lived in New York before Austin and she loves New York and right. we saw Schaefer and, and that was the first I heard of, oh yeah, the Brooklyn Hidden <laughs> And I was like, and <laughs> blown. Okay. Um, yeah. how did, so um, let, I, we touched on this briefly before, but uh, tell me your point of view of how you met Schaefer. Well, once before in a previous episode that hopefully you haven't heard unless you're a hunter gatherer or a super fan. I went, I met, I met Schaefer. I was at the second annual Brooklyn country music festival. <laughs> and, and this you, guy walks you, up. You, to wait, me. wait, were you at the first? Yes. I was. Okay. There. Okay. <laughs> okay. So did you, did you start the festival? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So the, the, the starting the festival briefly is that it was pretty much like there's this guy, Leon, who started this website called Brooklyn Country, you know, and it had all these various different people. Like you would almost have to go on like an archive.org page to see what it was like at the time. But I think it's there. Um, Cause it was just, he found all these other, and Leon was kind of like this, he is, you know, he's really good, um, uh, talented songwriter, performer. Um, and now he's, he's making movies. He just actually made a movie about Hank's saloon that he's finishing now, probably the place that Schaefer and I talked about having his farewell parties and all this stuff. Um, we had that place uh, closed and Leon made a movie about it. Um, so anyway, he had just made this this website called brooklyncountry.com and it just had this various, you know, all these different people from all over that were just like, he had just kind of found people who were calling themselves country in New York and what did that mean? It was this interesting thing. And that, and then I had this other friend who was doing kind of these showcases called the Kings County Opera. His name's Doc Oscar at a band called Sweet William. Uncle Ann's band was Uncle Ann and the Alvis. I think they're both on um, various services. Um, great music from both of them. So anyway, the com combination of those two factors, 
Doc throwing these party, these uh, showcases, and uh, Leon having this Broken Country thing made me think Broken Country Music Festival. That sounds like a good idea. So I partner with Doc to, to you know, like have him kind of do the, the, you know, help me with everything and and and, uh, and start the festival. So we started it together, and the beginning of it was this Hoot Nanny thing. It was the the Hoot Nanny was the last event of the first Brooklyn Country Music Festival. So my idea was the the the, the festival would launch and at the end of it we would start a jam and the idea was i had gone to a couple of jams but i felt there was no jam that was like for people who weren't ready to go to jams but didn't want to sit around and like you know like wanted to still have fun you know like if you only really knew three chords or four chords like and you didn't want to just like sing like folk songs in a meadow you wanted to kind of like you know whatever because i'd had this moment that um at uh genie's a little longhorn you know like i had bought my first guitar and and i like you know i took it down like i was still kind of like not sure this is before the festival really i had i was not sure you know like what i was doing and i was just really into Chuck Berry and I was like is there any way I could learn how to do that the answer is still years later is no but I went down to visit this friend of mine who was a musician I brought him this guitar and I you know I was really just more of like like a kid banging on a stick with things you know and he like could play the piano and he played in some um I don't know if you guys ever heard of Mr. Fabulous and Casino Royale um but they were in the Austin swing scene in the uh Oh, I don't know, early 2000s, late 90s in Austin, maybe somewhere around there. Anyway, I went down to see him and he took me out to see this band at Ginny's Little Longhorn. And I'm, you know, sitting there, you know, having some, um, you know, at the table and me and this fella next to me. And I, I, I'm just like, I wish they'd sing, you know, this other song. And I think it was maybe Waiting for a Train was the song I did. Although sometimes I think it's Six Pack to Go. Uh, but anyway, he and I kind of sang six packs to go together while the band was on a break. And he just kind of like grabbed my hand at the end. And it was just this moment of like, wow, this like, this is like meaningful for both of us. It's so cool that it just happened. So like kind of carrying that sort of idea. And then again, combining it with these two ideas that my friends had had, and then like adding to it a jam among the community of these sort of people is what made the, the hoot nanny really happen. And so the idea was it was a jam based on like, like Schaefer was saying, like you couldn't, I wouldn't let people bring up lyrics. You know, people already had like phones and I was like, no, you don't, don't read it off your phone. Like songs are made to be remembered, you know, like learn a song. It will, it will do you well to actually learn a song. Like if I have to learn all these words, like just give it a shake. It's going to be fun. Line. So, so yeah you know and so generally there was usually somebody there who would yell it out um so like you know boy named sue was something that a lot of people would 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 come up and do and you know and eventually like people would come up and they would just do something and i would be like you know it's a great song for you and i think i did that with schaefer i said you know what would be a great song for you and i probably said something or other to him yeah and did schaefer know all the lyrics Shotgun Willie, right? Didn't I get you to start singing that one, maybe? Yeah. Or, yeah. 
Uh, and then, but uh, what was the Hank Williams song about? Uh, I don't know. I want to say there's wedding bells in it. But, uh, you, you had me learn this good Hank Williams song about being a bachelor. Get that Marion out of your head. I'll be a bachelor till I die. Yeah, maybe that was it. Wow. Well, this podcast is a little like corralling an oxbow river. Uh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get it back in the mainstream here. The, let's get back to your your foggy or otherwise remembrances of you meeting Schaefer for the first time at that at that se- at that second festival. And right, I, so and Schaefer I, walks I, I, up. I got you off on the tangent, so I'm, no, that's fine because it's like right around this time. So like it's like the end of like an eight day festival. We'd had forty bands, and I was trying to prove how big the scene really was. At this were, you, were you? Were you well slept? Did, were you feeling well rested at that? It point? was really like the first. The, it should have been like alarm bells were definitely going off. That this is a really difficult way to run your life. Like the guy who owned the bar was looking at me, going, "He's like, see, this is a really hard business. People think this is easy. This is not easy. It's not easy to do this day after day, pal." Because I was just in there, and he was like. He basically just gave me free reign of the Pabst for the weekend, you know, and I was just crushing them. And we had my partner, Doc, had this idea that we would have free hot dogs, but I wanted to buy good hot dogs. So I would like go and buy like the good hot dogs from the Polish grocery store and then cook them, and microwave them in pure Pabst Blue Ribbon. And um, <laughs> gave away free hot dogs and like the whole place. It's like a like kind of sunk in basement bar and so the whole place smelled like hot dogs so the hot dogs were irresistible and then people would come up and get the free hot dogs and then i would try and sell them a t-shirt you know so schaefer was like nice I, he's i was like it was like uh you know you want a t-shirt and he's like yeah yeah i need to get one for my little brother i think he said and uh i was like you want to join the website and so then he like wrote his name down he said your name is schaefer hall and he's like yeah and i was like oh that's a cool name you know and then, uh, yeah, and then I think he came, you know, you know, so there was probably a hoot nanny that night because it was the last night of the festival. So Schaefer probably saw the hoot nanny, and then I think maybe came back for the next hoot nanny. At the time, I was sending a lot of emails out and stuff. So, um, and so let me ask if you just, if you're at the hoot nanny and you just push your way to the front, you, you might end up on stage singing a track, right? Singing a tune. Yeah, the first one I did was, uh, Stay all night, stay a little longer, dance all night, dance a little longer. Uh, yeah, Schaefer did that one a lot of times. That was a good one. That always made me. Uh, Alex, what I said to you when I bought that shirt was, this is going to make my little brother the coolest kid in Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I hope it did. And it did, yeah. yeah. You, by the your your recollection very closely matched Schaefer, so I don't think either of you are lying at this point. Uh Alex, you but you've been to Austin. You you've been to uh, Jenny's Little Longhorn. It's right around the corner from my house, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been no. there. I've been there. I guess I've been there three times total. I've been to Austin's exit. How come? At you least maybe four. How come you haven't visited us lately? Where's it? You're due. Oh. You're, you're due for a visit. Is what I'm. I I am due. I'm definitely oh, due. Pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, we had a great, 
my my brother's wedding in Austin, Texas, Alex came down and uh, Porter, Alex, and I, and my brother and I, we were the wedding band. Really, mostly Alex, but uh, it was it was, so a, super it was a full fun, group effort. Full group effort. Super fun weekend, and it, and it ended uh, in the parking lot, the back parking lot of Jenny's Little Longhorn. Uh, we yeah. drank. I remember, and with Kathleen's grandma, Monty. Uh, I remember drinking Bacardi Limon and Diet Cokes, and we sang uh, we sang a bunch of songs. We like we met some like kind of some like Texas outlaws came like wandering over because we were just like obviously having so much fun. Uh, that was a great night at Jenny's. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That was really nice to go there because I was like, that's where that night happened, you know, because like I'd always thought it was the broken spoke. And then your brother sent me a picture. He's like, this is what the broken spoke looks like. I think you're mistaken about what the broken spoke is. And I said, oh, yeah, it's definitely not that. But it was at Ginny's that that first night happened that I like sang that song with that gentleman, you know, so I had some Texas in it, that idea, the Cash and Kootenai Jamboree. So then Schaefer started coming to Hootenannies, you know. Oh, those Hootenannies were so much fun. Yeah. How much tequila. But yeah. That, but it, it, it was a loose format, right? Like anybody who showed up with their guitar or banjo could. could yeah, yeah. Guitar. There was a guy who played, the guy who played bass, his bass was made out of a Corvette gas tank. Yeah, that's what? true. Uh, yeah. The, the, uh, the slide guitarist Jane was uh, she was the well during the day she was a key and he was the maintenance guy in the building across the way. Uh, Jane was something special. Uh, the Alan Backer. Uh, Alan Backer was a teacher, right? Yeah, yeah, the lead singer of Alan Lee and the Whiskey Bumps. Absolutely. Who are some other amusing folks from the from the old Houdini days? Well, you know, Gary Gary was there the whole time, and then G- Gary's the guy who runs it now. Gary uh, played the mandolin, and he was a poet, too. Yeah, he's a poet, too. His his book just came out, Gary Keenan. Love his Gary. band is the American Spring, String Conspiracy, and, he ran, and he's run it... Um, I did that for 2004 to 2009, I think, and something like that. And then it kind of stopped for a minute. And then I just, people kept like, I would run into people and they would say, why doesn't that hooting anything happen anymore? And uh, so then I said, oh, you know, I should bring it back. So I, I gave it basically to the people who wanted it to keep going. And so they still do it. So yeah, Gary, Gary still does it. It's still at Freddy's. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's at Freddy's in its new location now. So it started at Old Freddy's as the first thing at the end of the first Brooklyn Country Music Festival, and then it was at Buttermilk for a while, and then Freddy's moved, and it, when Freddy's moved into its new spot, basically the the hoot nanny came back. Buttermilk is definitely what I would call the heyday. You know, uh, one of the things I like about Gary is when uh, when Alex and I became friends, I started having the opportunity to be the only poet 
at the Brooklyn Country Music Festival, <laughs> yeah. which was always interesting. It was always it was really cool. So in the afternoon, I got a slot where I'd go out on stage and read poems. But the what what I learned, and it didn't stop me from doing it, but what I learned was it's it's really hard to read poems to a club full of drunk people who are there to see country music. <laughs> and, yeah, Poetry Corner doesn't work in that format. It's, uh, not, it's uh, not a good uh, segment. It kind of did. It's kind of like I kind of forced it. I, I would pick poems that were more raucous poems and I would kind of, you know, I would be very, you know, much more performative when I did them. But, you know, it wasn't easy, uh, but I pulled it off. And I, I remember a few times Gary being like, you know, not many people know how hard it is to do, you know, to do yeah. that. And he was like, but I do. That's very impressive. Definitely. Definitely true. That's what like my wife, uh, the last time we were podcasting, she was like, not a lot of people know how hard it is to podcast. But <laughs> I know. I've been listening to you guys for 32 episodes. <laughs> it's, it's, easy, it's easy when you have a guest like Alex. <laughs> sure. Can you come for the next few episodes? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm here. I'm Alex, always, I'm here for you. One of the things that... Uh, I think is really interesting about your career is that mm. you are a fully realized songwriter, like, you know, like, you know, real, real song, like empire, you know, right. you, have, you have albums and albums worth of what, you know, what you would call real songs, you know, whether you call them country or folk or rock or whatever, doesn't really matter. They're just, they're really good songs. But mm -hmm. you have a whole nother career as a song comedian, which, you know, is, and that's several albums worth of stuff too. No. I think, I th yeah, you can know, always put together one album, you know, especially if you can include like the novelty songs that kind of could go either way. Oh, but, yeah. But uh, that's really interesting to me that, uh, did you find that like you were having to draw the line there or like, did, did would you say i i would imagine like the scene would kind of force you to make a choice i think sometimes there's a thin line between country songs and comedy songs anyway well sure there's lots of novelty country songs definitely like i was thinking about one tonight red solo cup yeah that's a classic it's a good one right but it's almost like a comedy song yeah, comedy. I mean that, that that's why that's that's what makes you know country a fun idiom to like. This the the this the joke is somewhat expected in country. There's like it was fairly pretentious of me, but I mean at the time even that I started, I feel like I was thinking about this as I was thinking about coming on to talk to you guys that like in my very first um like bio, like the hardest part of, for me, one of the hardest things about being a musician was trying to write my bio. Like oh, why? Oh, that's why, a nightmare, like an artist statement. Oh. Yeah, like an artist statement. Like, why am I doing this, you know? And <laughs> You're like mental illness. I, I have SMI, severe mental illness. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, and I remember there was something about like the sense of humor in country music and that, you know, I had this sense that it had been you know, that it, 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 I felt that like at the time that modern country music was like a little too serious or whatever. I didn't, I, 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 I thought that I could improve on, on, on that actual humor aspect. 
thereof. Um, so yeah, so yeah, but the, the, and then like as I wrote songs, you know, there were songs that I considered my serious songs, and then I would you know go and record them with somebody, and somebody would say, "Oh, that's a funny one," and I would be like, "What are you kidding me? That's not so funny. It's a very serious song," and they'd be like, "No, no, no, come on, dude, come on, that's hilarious, dude." I, Who are you kidding? I have this problem where I have gotten some of the best laughs of my life when I was just being dead serious and sincere with somebody. Right. I can totally relate to that. Yeah. So have you, but you've, you have performed in front of crowds that were expecting a funny song? Right. Well, when I started, yeah. So like the high point of my career, um, as a, it, as a quote comedian was I started um, just doing open mics at a scene that some people may remember called Surf Reality, Collective Unconscious. It was the Lower East Side, uh, the Lower East Side in the early, for me, to early 2000s. And... Um, kind of the millennium came around the corner and everybody was just kind of like, this is the year to do it for whatever the crop of people I kind of came in with. And, um, you know, I just had bits that I'd been doing for friends at parties over the years and stuff. And I kind of just honed it and honed it. And, you know, I, I went and saw a couple of, I saw a couple of, you know, shows like kind of a sketch show. Um, I saw a sketch show that like one of the guys who's now on, I feel like wait, wait, maybe. Um, there's a guy on that show who was Luke in, Burbank. <laughs> no, his name's Adam Felber, maybe or something. Starts with an F. Um, but he's, I think, on wait, wait, and he, um, or he was at least, he had a, he had, I want to say, a band because it was almost like a band. They were called the Irwin Smalls Trio, and. Um, we would just go see those guys. It was just these two guys and they had just like these great two man sketches and they would just come on and it was very um, like, you know, sweet and Beckett like, and they were just both good actors. They could do a ton of characters. And so we saw that. And so then like I came in and started doing like my bits and I had, you know, my original idea was this act called Jesus and the fish where I was going to be like, you know, I'm Jesus and these are the fish. Like I had an imaginary band that I was talking to, you know. My sister was like, it'd be funnier if you just had a cardboard fish hanging out off your banjo. You go, Jesus, I'm Jesus and this is the fish. So, um, That's funny because sister, at the first of the show, I, I substituted the name of Jesus from a lyric with your name. Sorry. Perfect. No, that's good. So, so, um, so yeah, so I would say that and like it would just get this laugh because everybody was very, I don't know, it just worked. It was just the right amount of absurdity for me to start, you know, doing whatever I would do. And so then I would do like, you know, I would do the Steve Allen half of the act was, um, was kind of taking, Steve Allen would do this bit where he would, he would like recite the words to a rock and roll hit, you know, because Steve Allen could play the piano and he could sing you know, good standards. And then, you know, he would read do what diddy in this, you know, Steve Allen kind of voice with the right pauses and it would get laughs. So that was my idea was that on a banjo, I would play 
um, you know, like a, a song straight. Like I remember I did Rock Me Like a Hurricane really early on. Um, and, um, you know, uh, just various things or like Steve Martin on his album, Not It's Small, has a bit where he's like, all right, let's sing this. Now the men, now the women, now in Chinese. And then he sings it in Chinese. Like all these various bits that Steve Martin had on the Elizabeth Small. The grandma song. Yeah, the grandmother's song, exactly. That's sort of kind of enthusiasm, but kind of, you know, echoed into sort of slightly more modern ideas and stuff, kind of feeling around. And then I started, you know, I kind of came up with some, um, some original material and some parody type material and stuff. So the best gig I ever had was that there was another sketch group at the time um, called Three Jews and a Persian. And three Jews in a Persian were very, very talented uh, people. There was a four-person sketch group. And um, they just had a, a great following. And for some reason, they really thought I was funny. And so they, um, and one of them worked at the Jean Cocteau Repertory on the Bowery, um, so which was this really beautiful theater. I don't know if it's still there. It's gorgeous. Um, and so they would get like a Saturday night and, you know, get a bunch of their friends and write these like sketches and I would come and open for them. And so like my last great gig I ever did was this gig where I opened for them. And I, at the time I had like, I can't remember what the format was. I feel like it was mini disc, you know? And I like, I, you know, you're always like coming out as a, as a performer, you're coming out with your, with your tape recorder. You know, everybody had a tape recorder. It was your thing in the comedy world. And, you know, you would come out and set it down and hope this is your tight five, you know. And I, like, did it. Like, I had the routine. Like, all the laughs came in the right places. And I rode every wave. Like, people would laugh. And I would just come in with this rejoinder. It was brilliant. And, like, I was trying to label it as, like, my tight five or something. And I literally, like, hit the delete button, like, in an 80s sitcom, you know. And, like, you're like, no, like, you're Kevin Arnold or something. And you... you like you're making green tea yeah like you're making green tea and it was gone you know my and i was like well that was that was meant to happen you know that was it you know i was already kind of on the way out like realizing that trying to make people laugh is a really kind of sad business and then you switch to sad sad country songs so then what you do is yeah then it's just like well if you like i'm just gonna be depressing until I'm funny, then people are really ready to laugh, you know? But if they come out ready to laugh, that's just a way harder job. That's why I went to art school. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) All right, guys. Yeah, I'm ready for a quiz. Wait, I need a moment. I I, I need a moment for the quiz. I gotta gotta sort myself out over here, I'm sorry. You want Alex Knight a vamp? (laughs) Could you? You want me to do some some ye old word word shop or ye old word shop? Uh, do we, do you feel like singing us a song? Do you have a guitar there? Well, Alex Alex came with ye old word shop ready to go too. So oh okay oh sorry I didn't realize yeah, so that. Alex brought his own segment. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I have lots of segments. Best guest ever. Obviously, Obviously. I, I have plenty. I can go in. I can go in several directions. Ye old word shop. Um. I just wanted to say that, you know, you guys really inspired me, like listening to your podcast. Oh, wait, wait, like, wait. But wait, let me, let's just. Word uh, shop. Oh, you, oh you're, you're ready to go now, man? Well, no, no, I just, I want to do the intro music for your old word shop. 
Oh, go ahead. Dio's workshop. Dio's workshop. Okay, go ahead. I'll be back. Anyway, you guys got me reading this book um, um, uh, as, as I was listening to one of your early uh, podcasts. Uh, you got me listening to this book. You got me reading this book, um, Pierre, The Ambiguities by Herman Melville. Oh, right. Yeah, and as I was reading oh, it. Oh, you, oh, you saw that on my book club list? Cool. No, was that on your book club oh. list? <laughs> no, I don't have a book club. I got a podcast. I would have time for a book club. Well, there you go. Now you've got one more thing to do, Mr. Ray. Two small children. So anyway, I was reading this book and I started writing down words that I did not know what they meant. Oh, right. And I was like, oh, well, maybe this could work for ye old word shop if anybody ever needs us to vamp. So um, do you guys know what the word ultramontane is? No, I don't. Negatory. How's it, it spelled? U-L-T-R-A-M-O-N-T-A-N-E, ultramontane. I don't. Well, are we going to try to? Uh... Ultramontane. <laughs> That's it. So, Ultramontane, what do you have there, Schaefer? What does it say? A clerical political conception within the Catholic Church that places strong emphasis on the prerogatives and powers of the Pope. But it can also mean beyond the mountains. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's number two. You're right. The other side of the Alps. The other side of the Alps. Or <laughs> advocating papal authority. Wow. <laughs> I don't know which one it came up in. In this, uh, I didn't write down the page number for where Ultramontane was. But that is a word that I can tell you um, from this book that I've been you guys you guys actually inspired me to read this book so i thank you for that inspiration and that's melville yes this is this is the book he wrote after um after moby dick he wrote pierre or the ambiguities ambiguities like pretty much straight in he wrote that one next <laughs> pierre or the ambiguities is a funny funny title it's an ambiguous title <laughs> it is it is i i i think as an artist one of the highest compliments uh another artist can pay me is you inspired me mm. i have okay. always felt i have always felt like if if my art doesn't reach whatever level that i conceive it should if i've inspired however 50 other artists in my life then it was then it was worth it that also that, that also that is in my idealistic youth now i think that is all ron headed mini muggins business <laughs> i love it well you have but you at my have. but at my core i th that that warms my cockerels thank you sir absolutely mini muggins cockerels are the sub cockerels Ninny Muggins, that goes out to my brother-in-law. 
That was a new one for me. Speaking of <laughs> so, um, wait, was Alex, Alex was going to do a tune before this quiz, right? Uh, if you feel like it, don't, don't I feel can. Like... I can do a tune. Um. So what I was going to ask you guys, one of the segments I was going to ask you guys, um, to 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 discuss briefly um, is I still want there to be a segment called like Texosity, you know, like <laughs> where we talk about Texas. Yeah. Like what is the Texosity of like, what movie has the highest Texosity, you know, it's, like, it's Machete with Danny Trejo. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the most, see, that's exactly what I need to know. Right this off the top good. of my head. And Dave Boom. might be number two. That's perfect. Uh, uh, True Stories by David Byrne. True Stories by David Byrne has the highest Texosity. What has a very high Texosity. I don't feel like we're trying to be particularly regional. I feel like the most interesting part of the regional part of our show is that we are atypical for the region. We are a couple, we are a couple of uppity liberal rednecks who are possibly overeducated and overthinking everything, which is not the first thing you think of when you think of some dude from Texas. Yeah, but Matthew, you got to understand that Alex knew me in New York where it, it did me a quite a bit of good to play up the Texas cowboy thing. Right. So, oh, and I discovered myself as a Texan when I moved to San Francisco. Yeah, it makes a big difference. So, you know, like maybe if we explored it from that direction, we might get more at what Ale what interests Alex about it. Because okay. it is an interesting thing for particularly a kid from Cleveland. Who, uh, Absolutely. That Okay, well, that segment is on deck. Yeah, and like... You know, like I, you know, I, I discovered Lonesome Dove probably through Schaefer. Like I don't know, you know, I hadn't read it before I met Schaefer, and I did read it after I met Schaefer. High, high Texosity in that one. Yeah, that, see, that's what I'm saying. There's a high, high Texosity in that. You know, Doug Sam, right? Yep. Right? I mean, just all, like, the whole, like, Texas music, like, the fact that that's its own genre. To me, that, you know, that stuff is interesting. The first time I found out there was a magazine called Texas Monthly, you know, it was just... Uh, Alex, did you know that did you know that Milton finally uh, got over his old madness and got onto Spotify? Oh, really? Yeah, and he found, so he since then discovered a bunch, and he just discovered Doug Psalm while... Uh, while messing around with Spotify. Yeah. Funny. Like, you know, that I like, I knew that that guy would love something like that, but he just was so, so, so much the Luddite that uh, he, he cut it out of, cut this special thing out of his life. Yeah. You know, we often do that. That's what oh, yeah. I know. But the, uh, but the reason I bring it up was because, you know, did you guys both go on, like was going on a well i guess you guys are from lubbock so going on a field trip to like the space center wasn't part of like growing up or something. we went to the ranching heritage center the ranching heritage yeah that's at tech there's this museum called the ranching heritage center that takes you through a progression of housing that was used to you know uh colonize the 
plains out here on the frontier. In Lubbock, this was? Yeah. Is it still there? I believe so. It's awesome, man. Yeah. You go from like a sod house lean to right like a, a full-on italianate matchstick victorian style uh uh rancher's home sort of thing wow. but uh just to answer your question i did uh as a child several times go to go to nasa oh yeah it was awesome I don't know if that has anything to do with your song. I think yeah. that, I think that I'm quintessentially Texas, but my Texosity level might be actually quite low. <laughs> That's what thrills me about it. Like, what is the Texosity of Frisbee golf? Uh, I don't yeah, know. I don't there know. You You're go. talking my language there. That's what I'm saying. This, this guy's is, a fan. <laughs> see, there you go. This is what I need to know, though. I need it's, to it's, know. Uh, it's disc golf, Alex. Um, see, there you go. Exactly. See, Texosity level. Frisbee golf. At least seven avocados worth of Texosity there. I feel like. I don't. I don't. I don't think disc that, golf. That's that's not a regional thing at all. Like that, it's it's popular in many corners of the land. California, I, Colorado. I feel like I know zero people who are into it who do not live like the Venn diagram of disc golf. And right. people I know is all in all geographically okay. in Austin. You have to have enough room to play it. You know, there's right. 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 All right. This is just, we're just vamping before Alex's um, performance here. What do you, what do you got for us? Well, I was trying to lead into this. I, it was just, the, I was trying to lead into this idea that um, I was going through tunes and I wanted to sing this song. Um, you know, news crews. I wanted to sing this song basically like, I wrote this song a while ago that was, I had this thing about the, the national anthem and how like, I feel like, you know, the main way that you interact with the national anthem is during the Olympics, right? And like, during the Olympics, we all stand up and like, if we win something, right? We all stand up and we sing this song that's basically like in 200 years ago, we beat the British in this, you know, decisive naval battle, you know, and that's, that's, that's at that moment, the image that we project of our national thought process. And I was like, you know, that's in some way, just in terms of a, in terms of a rejoinder between two countries, you would think, you know, to me, I said, you would think we, we, we must have done something interesting since then that we might, we might put ahead of that accomplishment, you know? So, um, you know, so I was like, well, obviously, you know, if this will never be used as a national anthem, um, however, um, if anybody ever asked me, you know, you know, and I was like, well, if you could not get the lyrics, you know, the rights to every Stevie Wonder or Huey Piano Smith song, and I had anything to say about it, um, this is what I would do. So this is the song that I wrote as a national anthem candidate. <laughs> So just imagine it's like, you know, we're at the Olympics 
hanging out. Someone has just won the high jump. And the lights go down in the stadium and everybody goes, we put a guy on the moon. It was really damn hard to do. Hundreds of thousands of people just like me and you. We put a guy on the moon. We stand on stolen land and pledge allegiance to the band. But I think that we should change our tune. We put a guy on the moon. We put a guy on the moon. It was really damn hard to do. Not just one, we put two. We put two guys on the moon. And this is all JFK from his speech at, at Rice. Why choose this? Oh wait. Well, space is there. And we are going to climb it. And the moon and the planets are there. And a new hope for harmony and peace. Why choose this as our goal? Why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? <laughs> we put a guy on the moon. It was really him hard to do. Not just one, we put two. Put two guys on the moon. We put a guy on the moon. It was a really damn hard to do. And we ain't been back since 1972. It's weird, man. But we put a guy on the moon. We got that guy to the hospital. So true. I think so that, I think that Schaefer sung that song to me. <laughs> Did, is that possible? I think that they were talking about that speech. Oh, because Rice did play Texas last year. There you go. And yeah, that, that must speech was it. in the news, and you, I think you were like, "Oh, Alex has a song," because that was it. I love that. I feel like, and now I feel like every time I'm doing the national anthem, and I'm a sports fan, I hear it from time to time. Um, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> I'm going to be singing. We put a guy on the moon. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I think. It's, it's I think in this new world, uh, we can make it happen. Yeah. 
I mean, the, making the song the national anthem. Benefit. All right, so, boys. What's what's the theme song to the quiz? What's the what's the name of the quiz? And we haven't done a quiz in so long. I don't know. We don't have a name for the quiz section. We don't have a theme no, song. It's just usually like we've talked about everything, and now we have this one planned part at the end. We're doing a quiz, and then by planned, I mean you're fumfering around on the keyboard, and then you find something on the interwebs, and then people get really upset well, about it, unless it's psychology today. Well, well, just so you know, that's not how it is today. Because today I carefully prepared a quiz, which I had an idea for yesterday. You used the term handmade, and, and then I was like, oh, Schaefer should open an Etsy shop for quizzes? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Handmade quizzes. Uh, it's, hard. it's very time-consuming to put these things together, though. No, uh, nobody thinks that you're that you're not burning the candle at both ends for this thing. Trust me. Everybody sees how much work you're putting into the podcast. I see. I appreciate it. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't mean to be shouting. Thanks so much for everything you do, too. I love, love being here. Listen, I just bring some, some uh, severe mental uh, illness every, every time. SMI. I like... Uh, I like doing these quizzes with the guests because I like for you guys to be on a team together. So you guys ready? What's your team name? Um, Steve and Steve. Steve and Steve. Steve, Steve Allen. I'm Steve Martin. Two guys on the moon. We're just 100%. a couple of wild and crazy guys about to sure. take a quiz. I love it. I love it. All right. So the, the courteous, kind, and forgiving. Peaceful each day. <laughs> Be warm and human and grateful and have a good quiz today. <laughs> this quiz uh, is really easy. It's 10 questions. And I am going to read you a line or two. And you're going to tell me if that line is from a, a romantic English poem or a heavy metal song. I love it. Romantic English poetry or heavy metal. All right. Number one. Off. Through the new day's mist I run, off from the new day's mist I have come. I'm going English romantic poem, right? I'm going heavy metal. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. How are we gonna? I, I, maybe right. not, maybe yeah. we're not. Maybe we're not on the same team. Maybe it's a contest. All right, we're making it a contest. Yeah, that's fine. So Matthew says metal. No, no, I say English romantic poem on that he one. Says, Matthew says English romantic. I, I don't, but romantic. I know I know nothing about heavy metal either. That's all right. Neither do I. And Alex says metal. Matthew poetry, Alex says metal. Off through the day, new day's mist I run. Off from the new day's mist I've come. That is a Metallica line from their song. Yes. Of Wolf of <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alex one, Matthew nil. Okay, go ahead. Next line. The clouds perished. Darkness had no need of aid from them. She was the universe. That's metal. English romantic poem. Oh, shoot. Alex says... Alex says poem. Matthew, Matthew says metal. That is from the poem Darkness by George Gordon, Lord Byron. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yes. 
An orphan's curse would drag to hell a spirit from on high, but more horrible than that is the curse in a dead man's eye. That's that's a poem. Um, I'm gonna go metal. That is Coleridge, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. All right, fair enough. One to two. Dress in armor, bring your sword and shield, and your lucky charm in dragon ships will sail the seven seas under guiding stars. Metal. Yeah, I'll go metal on that too. Uh, it is, in fact, from Heathens from the North by Ingve Malmsteen. Yeah. It is metal. Well done, guys. So, three to two. For the angel of death spreads his wings on the blast and breath breathed in the face of the foe as he passed. Battle. I'm going poem. Matthew poem. Alex metal. And that is the destruction of Senna Cherub by George Gordon, Lord Byron. Oh boy. Um what's the score? Uh did Alex just get that one? No, no. I I was wrong on that. Then it's three all. <laughs> three. Yeah. So you both you both have got three and missed two. Wow. Oh wow, it's tie tie ball game. Tie game. Lightning this is round. the most exciting quiz we've ever had. <laughs> A lack of reason that makes a mortal man untold the treason, the past where it began. Battle. I'm going poem. Uh, it is, this is, this is tricky. It's Paradise Lost, the heavy metal band, not the poem. Ah, <laughs> nice. Well played. <laughs> So four to two, four to three, Alex. With ropes of rock and bells of air, three sinful Stexton's ghosts are pent. Can you repeat the line? With ropes of rock and bells of air, three sinful Stexton's ghosts are pent. It's metal. I, I gotta go poem on that. I'm going metal. Matthew, metal. Uh, Alex poem. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, it is in fact a poem, but Matthew, you were right to say metal because this poem Christabel by Samuel Taylor Coleridge is the most metal poem that you ever read. <laughs> it was crazy. By Coleridge, really? Coleridge, yeah, Christabel. That's kind of like, kind of like uh, coming across that poem was kind of what started this whole idea for me. Huh. I okay, mean, Sexton. I don't know, man. I, 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 we should write a metal song. We should record a metal song using a lot of that poem. There's, I mean, there's so much, uh, you know, like the imagery is not a problem. Well, I'll talk about it when it's done. All right. Go ahead. I see the stones in the path we laid. It's a question of tomorrow. We like to breathe the ancient wind that we have followed. 
I'm going metal. Yeah, I'm going metal too. I think you both are kind of starting to. Uh, that is, in fact, from the song Aqua Dementia by Mastodon. <laughs> you mean our uh, number one social media platform? Find us on Mastodon. Hashtag. <laughs> Do not disturb the water. Never again shall the eyes of men gaze upon these shores. That's a poem. Yeah, I'll go poem on that too. Oi, that was uh, from the metal band Maelstrom yeah. from, from their song Miasma. Dude, Son of a gun. What we're learning here is how poetic metal can be. Metal's awesome. <laughs> the Metal's invisible metal. worm that flies in the night in the howling storm has found out thy bed of crimson joy and his dark secret love does thy life destroy. I hope that's metal. I hope it's metal. I'm going to go poem on that. <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's uh, William Blake. Yes, I love William Blake. Yes, and in fact, I only left. I only left off the first. That's now, that's pretty much the entire poem. It's called the Sick Rose. It, Will, Will, William Blake was one of the original members of Pink Floyd, and he took too much acid, and then he was out of the band. Right? Oh, Rose, thou art sick. The invisible worm that flies in the night in the howling storm has found out thy bed of crimson joy. Ah, that life you got it. Great job, guys. That was really fun. I think Alex, <laughs> I think Alex bested me there, but he's a, he's a musician. It's really interesting. Like, obviously, there's. Uh, it wasn't very hard to find the imagery, but. Right. Uh, it was all about phrasing um, and, you know, uh, and scansion. Absolutely. If it was, there were some that were just too perfectly poetically scanned. Uh, and some obviously just had vocabulary that was too out of date. Yeah. Thank you for putting that together for us. My pleasure. It was super fun. That's I'm glad it worked out. If you had an Etsy shop, that's what everybody would be getting for stocking stuffers in my family. <laughs> Handmade quizzes. It's really, it's really fun to just read a lot of English romantic poetry and heavy metal lyrics at the same time. It's, <laughs> it's you see, I mean, they're both rewarding in their way. <laughs> Absolutely. Alex, uh, anything, you else on, anything else on your show sheet, Alex? As a producer, am I right? Well, you know, I can, I can read you a poem since we're, we're nearing Poetry Corner. Oh, oh, yeah, Poetry Corner, right, right. I knew, I knew, I knew we were. Poetry you know, Corner. This is the Conqueror Worm by I beg your pardon? <laughs> what did you say? Is this a Bene Gesserit poem? This is the Conqueror Worm by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, okay, great. Oh, what are you holding there? 
Is that a microphone? This is a microphone. Oh, by the way, I wanted to point out that I put on a Pearl Snap shirt for you tonight. Oh, thanks. Usually I'm in my PJs, but <laughs> Schaefer and I both wore special shirts for you. I, I feel, feel, my I feel honored. Also for you. Okay. Alex is holding a thing that looks like a BB-8 droid on a stick. Yeah, I was definitely going to guess. Is that a microphone? Yeah, this is this is my microphone. Dude, that is so cool. Okay, I'm cool. sorry to interrupt. I decided to hold the mic for Poetry Corner. This is The Conqueror Worm by Edgar Allan Poe. Low tis a gale of night within the lonesome latter years. An angel throng, be winged, be dight in veils and drowned in tears. Sit in a theater to see a play of hopes and fears while the orchestra breathes fitfully the music of the spheres. Mimes in the form of God on high mutter and mumble low and hither and thither fly, mere puppets they who come and go at bidding of vast formless things that shift the scenery to and fro. Flapping from out their condor wings, invisible woe. That motley drama, oh, be sure it shall not be forgot, with its phantom chased forevermore by a crowd that sees it not, through a circle that ever returneth into the self-same spot, and much of madness and more of sin and horror the soul of the plot. But see amid the mimic rout a crawling shape intrude, a blood-red thing that writhes from out the scenic solitude. It writhes, it writhes with mortal pangs, the mimes become its food, and seraphs sob at vermin fangs in human gore imbued. Out, out are the lights, out all. And over each quivering form, the kernel, the curtain of funeral pall, comes down with the rush of a storm, while the angels, all pallid and wan, wan, uprising, unveiling, affirm that the play is the tragedy man and its hero, the conqueror worm. Wow. We did not plan that. Just so you guys. Poe was pretty metal. Yeah, Alex didn't know that I was going to be going number two. Just happened that way. Yeah. And I think it's pronounced Juan, but I'm not sure. I don't know either. I've never seen that. That would definitely be in my list of words that I would have to look at. It's Faye and Juan. Yeah. Holy moly. I I love Poe. Yeah, that's a fantastic poem. That's in, I think that's in Lygia. I think he drops that. That's like a standalone poem, but it's also appears in one of his short stories, I think in Lygia, which is his favorite. Were you able to hear that, guys? Um, That pronunciation of Juan? Oh, hear it again? Juan. Yeah, Juan. One. One in a million. Just like 
Well, I think that we're obviously going to append an Alex Battles track to this episode. Alex, what do you think that might be? Empire State. Oh, well, I guess Schaefer already has it picked out. He's got it picked out. You probably want to play something from the new album that Schaefer wants to hear the hits. That's all right. No, I just... What were you going to say? Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, I wrote that, I co-wrote that song, Shuffle and Fool, on um, my friend's record that I'm oh, really, yeah, yeah. that uh, my, my disco song about how line dancing is hard. It was um, a hit for Grammy, too. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out with the song that Alex wants, and the next episode, we're going to go out with Schaefer's favorite Alex track. We, 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 yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, this the song, Alex, and about your collaboration with this guy. Oh yeah, so this is my this is um, I, you know I like I said you know I started playing with the banjo and whatever and playing country music and um, but you know like when I first got here, what I was doing is I would like I was like one of these guys who like would torture kind of the guy at a piano bar and being like, let me sing one, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> And so, like, one day I, like, walked into a bar and there was, like, a guy, like, just singing and playing standards. And I was like, you know, like, you should try to learn how to do this. So that's how I became friends with um, this, uh, Paisley Fields is the name of uh, his band, and the act. And um, so he was like, he said, you know, we should we should write a song together. And uh, I said, okay. So he came over a couple of weekends or a couple of, you know, just like evenings, you know, and we just like sat down and really like tried to like get through it. And we wrote, we did, we did twice and we did two songs. And one of the two times, I can't remember if it was the first or the second time. Um, I think it was the first time he was like, let's write a song. And I was like, I've always wanted to write like the song for a line dance because I figure like if you get one good line dance, man, they use those ones forever. Those ones stay because people learn that line dance. And if they're like, they'll just keep <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's awesome. Right. Like, you know, like people are still playing the hokey pokey. Like they have serious staying power if there's a dance, you know. So I was like, well, it should be, it should be a line dance song. I said, what should it be about? And of course, I'm like, I, I think of myself line dancing. I'm always the guy who's, I'm always the guy who like runs on thinking he can learn it, but literally by the end still does not have it down. <laughs> um, so he, you know, my, my friend Paisley Fields was, you know, he agreed that, you know, this was, this was a, a vein in which we could pursue uh, you know, a narrative, and we kind of went from there, and 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 you know, came up with all the lines uh, together, and really, we were like, okay, that's that's enough of a story, and then um, you know, he was like, oh, how do you want to do it? Uh, how should it sound? And um, I I tried something, but I was like, I, that sounds like a lot of stuff I've written, but it's like, can you put something like disco? And he just like, he had it. He was like, yes, it sounds like this. And he just like, boom, you know, like came out in a second. And then, you know, yeah, it was like a month later and he, he called me up and he said, I'm in Nashville and I'm making the record. I said, you're kidding. He says, yeah, yeah, you get, I'll send you an early track. He sent me an early track, but it was, it was uh, 
what what it ended up being in the end was um it's yeah it's just the neatest thing so and the that, full, and the full record has been nominated for a grammy right it's on the grammy ballot yes so um th- there's two rounds of voting i don't know if you could say it's nominated for grammy but it is definitely yeah maybe it's it's in the it's it's on the it's on the ballot i don't, I don't know what that means i don't you know, there's all sorts of legal ramifications, but sure, it's been nominated for a Grammy. I mean, you know, I mean, come on, who are we kidding? You know, seriously. Well, I mean, about, you mean with this podcast? Or well, I mean, you know, maybe the Grammy nomination. Well, you know, uh, anything can happen. Absolutely. Oh no, I think you know, I think we've got a good shot. You know, I think it's, uh, I think really, the electric pump ballroom is a sensational record and it's probably going to win six grammys i think it's up for five but i think it's going to win six so um that's exciting stuff yeah that's it's going to be good but i am a very i'm very proud of my association with um, that album even though i i only half wrote one of you know whatever 10 11 songs that are on the record um but it i don't know to me it was just a great experience and and uh, that that's you know that's what I would say we should go out with. Um, Do you have an MP3 of that that you can? Uh, it's a, it, yeah, I can, I can, I can, uh, I can get it to you. Email it to us, yeah. Great. So I it can, sounds as good as possible? Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. We've learned the hard way, as you've heard. Oh, yeah, that's, that was, <laughs> that was amazing. I, I was really surprised that Ben Murphy could even recognize his songs when you said you were playing them. Was, <laughs> I literally heard, I'm sorry, Benjamin Adair Murphy, but I re- I literally heard it was like, <laughs> it was like now a song being played between two tin cans and a piece of yarn between two houses in 1978 that we are going to call a Benjamin Adair Murphy song. <laughs> And I was like, oh, wow. We've come so far. You have. You have. You've gotten, you know, by the time, by the time Porter came in and said buzz number two, you guys had, you kind of had it all together. But <laughs> there was, there were some early setbacks, no doubt. Well, Alex, thank you so much for everything. And I'm going to, I'm going to list it right now for being Schaefer's inspiration and mentor and guru for uh humoring us here and being inspired by us and writing our writing our theme song and one of the two continuing to inspire us and are you gonna after this shout out to brian benitez i I love his theme too after this is done are you gonna keep listening to the show Oh yeah, of course. Oh okay. Uh, I'm, 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 I, I always have to be constantly ready to to be on. You know, anytime you guys are. Absolutely. I think I we're that. probably going to cut to you from time to time when we're feeling particularly low on content. We know a guy who will bring his own show sheet. Well, earlier you you had said Matthew that you know the first Alex Battle episode was going to be three hours. So I was. I think that we're going to. I think this is looking at two fifteen ish with the wait. You, no, you're gonna edit this. Sponsors. This isn't gonna. You're not gonna. You know, no, come on, don't don't do that to people. Really, 
No, oh, there's no way. That's that's a common misconception. People think that we edit the show. Oh no. <laughs> this is all going in. This is long form. That's the ethos. It's anti-Twitter. We, there's no character limit here. Honestly, yeah. yeah, I'm swelling with pride that you think that any of those other shows have been edited. <laughs> did you think we edited any of that? Um, yeah, yeah, I certainly oh, did. <laughs> I'm telling you, episode 34 represents the next level of us. Uh, there's no um or er or or useless information like every... My news cruise wasn't great where I announced that Robert Jody was out. Like that was kind of a bummer after we talked about Choo Choo and we read your poem and all that. So it was good, it was good news. No, but that, that's, that's also pretty flattering to hear that somebody thinks that we edited it. <laughs> all right, Alex, we love you. When are you, you, you're, as soon as the vaccines roll out, you're going to come see us, right? Please. Yeah, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a special guest bar back at the front page. So look out for that. We're we're gonna. I've been negotiating on clearing up the drinks into a large. Um, in my rider, I get a large um, Rubbermaid, like kind of a black tub that I get to collect pint glasses into. Yeah. Did you steal that from Stevie Ray? <laughs> oh, come on, there was there was no Rubbermaid in Stevie's time. Um, I think the next time we have a podcast with you, we're going to all be together in the same room. It's a dream. Uh, they call me Nostradamus Jr. It's a dream. Some people call me Junior Nostradamus, but that's a misnomer. <laughs> Some people just call him NJ. It's Nostradamus Jr. Yeah, I love you guys. I love you, Schaefer. I love you, Alex. I love you, Hunter Gatherers. Sir Alex Battles, I love you too. One Magic Nation, we love you. And remember, the poorer the choices, the sweeter the Alex. <laughs> the sweeter the Alex. The poorer the Alex, the sweeter the choices. Electric Park Ballroom, the place is buzzing. Nobody to dance with, not even a cousin. When they call the first line dance, I hit the floor. Making new friends is such a goddamn chore. Everybody steps left and I step right I start to worry It's not my night But I click my heels and get back in line Cause a quarter of the time I'm watching you behind The beers are working My legs are jerking
for pride I haven't got a lot left Cause I know when we hit that last grapevine I'm gonna ask you to dance And make you mine